0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. The break for the Celtics goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a box! This Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. and throws it down. Wow! Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I am joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. And we wanted to, real quick, before we get into this episode, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about the uh, NBA's attempt to come back, all that kind of stuff. Before we do, we tried to give away a Jason Tatum bobblehead, and we picked a winner. And the problem is that the winner did not DM us or get in touch with us on Twitter. So, TV devotee who left us a comment on our, on our podcast. We really appreciate you. We need to know who you are because you won the Jason Tatum bobblehead. So if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you know you can DM me at Tom underscore NBA on Twitter. You can hit up Nicole, whatever you want to do. You can email us, uh, but just get in touch with us so that we can uh, send you your bobblehead. On that note, how are you doing, Nicole?
1: Pretty good, Tom. No major updates. How about you?
0: Like I think this has been the most interesting stretch of quarantine NBA-wise by far. We spent the first few weeks of the quarantine being like, who's got COVID? Who's got COVID? And then it was pretty clear that most of the guys were like doing okay. Like it didn't sound like anything was going too poorly on that end. And then after that, it was just like, well, when is it going to start up again? And that's been more interesting, I think, than it has been in the past. You agree, disagree?
1: I think this is maybe one of the few instances where what's going on in the country is like completely intertwined with the NBA or with any sports league. But yeah, the coronavirus and the sort of national unrest because of racial injustice, like those are very much closely connected to the NBA and sometimes the national current events and the the NBA or any sports league are able to stay pretty separate. But right now we're seeing like how much they are like in lockstep.
0: Yeah. And, and it's a strong point in favor of anybody who argues that sports are more than sports sometimes. And it's not even like oh, sports are more than sports because like an inspirational like Friday Night Lights movie or something like that. It's not like that. It's just like, no, like sports are a business and business runs America. And here we are. So why don't we kind of lay out a little bit everything that's going on? We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, so things might happen. But basically, it sounds like a close personal friend, Kyrie Irving, has some real questions about the NBA's return to play. Let's break down a little bit. Nicole, what have you, um, obviously neither of us has been talking to Kyrie, but what have you gleaned from the reports that have been coming out just about what he has to say and, and where he kind of seems to stand?
1: So it seems like Kyrie is a strong advocate for not going to Orlando, and he says that it would sort of take away from the protests and all of the progress and awareness that they've raised about the social injustices that Black people are facing. And so he organized a conference call with, I think, how many players was it? Like 80 or so? I believe it was,
0: yeah, I believe it was initially reported as like 200, and then the call actually happened, and it sounds like it was about 80.
1: Okay, so with 80 or so players, and it seems like a lot of reports are calling them rank-and-file players, as in they aren't necessarily superstars. For example, I saw one report, I forget who these reports are coming from, but just assume it's like Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams, Sharania, national guys who generally are right about things, that LeBron James wasn't on it, for example, But so he organized this phone call and they basically discussed the merits of not playing and not going into Orlando.
0: One of the things that I took away from that that was really interesting, I'm glad you highlighted the fact that it's like the rank and file. It's interesting to me just from like a union perspective where a union, obviously everybody has collective interests, but within the union, there are people who have... Different interests, you know, there are like a collection of interests that are shared, but then people do have sort of individual ones within that kind of one of the interesting dynamics of the NBA's union where there's people like LeBron James, who is making all this money from Nike and and from all of his different interests. And then there's people, you know, at sort of the bottom of the food chain, you know, who are hoping to remain in the NBA and who, you know, aren't sure how long they're going to be a professional basketball player. And then there's everything in between. And so I think that the Players Union has done a pretty good job of representing people with its vice presidents. You know, you have like Jalen Brown, who is a a star player who hasn't necessarily hit his biggest, you know, paychecks yet. Um, You have like Anthony Tolliver, who's been in the league for a long time. You know, you have Garrett Temple, who's kind of a role player. So you've got kind of everybody represented there. But I think it's interesting that what Kyrie is doing is he's sort of reaching out to all these these rank and file members who aren't necessarily on all these calls who, you know, maybe are just now starting to pay attention to what this all means. Honestly, to Kyrie's credit, I think that's really important. Like I think it's really important for union leadership to be reaching out to the rank and file and being like, here's the positives, here's the negatives. Now I don't know what Kyrie said exactly, but I think that it's good to see like union leadership reaching out to other people and saying, like, right. some things.
1: I would be skeptical that Kyrie is the only one doing that though. Yeah, like yeah, I would true. imagine that Chris Paul, like he seems to have a very good reputation as the union president, and across, I mean, they were elected vice presidents for a reason. I would have to imagine that a lot of these guys have been in communication, and that they have had whether it's the entire league, I'm not sure, but they had had pretty like expansive calls outside of the superstars. I know the superstars' interests are generally placed at a higher priority. But I I would imagine that there is some level of outreach. Obviously, we're talking about a billion dollar business with the NBA and the Boston Globe is not nearly at that status. But like we have a union, for example, and they send out union surveys and things like that when we're negotiating a new contract or like they're talking with management and stuff. And this is just like human nature and the way that people operate. They don't do the survey and then they see what happens and they're like, oh, wait, when did we approve this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just glance over it in their inbox. So, my point there is just the education is key. And so I'm glad Kyrie is raising awareness about important national issues that our country definitely needs to address and that definitely deserves the spotlight. But this issue of playing or not playing has so many levels to it. And I hope they're being educated on the other aspects because I feel like that they could be convinced in this sphere like, oh, yeah, like we should definitely sit out like we have such an opportunity here. But then it's like, okay, there are other ramifications if you sit out. And I hope that there's another vice president or another voice, whoever it is, that has some power that is able to communicate those too, because otherwise it's just going to be a mess.
0: Agreed. And so that's one of the things that I thought was really interesting was after this call, there were reports that like LeBron and other people were reaching out to players and saying like, but here's the other financial ramifications. And that to me was a little concerning because to me, that sounds like that those issues weren't explained thoroughly enough beforehand, or to your point, they were explained in a survey that was sent out and the players just like moved on, which like, if that's going to be the case and your union leadership and you know that, that a lot of these guys are just letting them go in their inbox. I think there does have to be a certain amount of outreach of like, you know, LeBron or or Jalen or whoever it might be. Somebody needs to get in these players' inbox and be like, listen, I know that a lot of this stuff gets passed over, but like right now we're talking about your paycheck. Like we are talking about the money that you are going to make. You need to read this because otherwise we might have a lockout.
1: Right. Um, So let's, before we move on to like the financial and like the health implications, continuing on the like social justice element of everything.
0: With that too, I also want to talk a little bit about Kyrie the person, because I think it's interesting to like talk about him too within this and like what we know about him. But yeah, let's...
1: So obviously I am not in a position to tell people how they should communicate their message. And if they believe that sitting out is the most powerful way all the power to them. That's what they should do. However, I also think that them playing provides more opportunities to get their message across. Like they will have a lot of eyes on them. People will be so excited to have basketball back. And I understand when they say the optics, though, of a bunch of black athletes being sequestered so that they can entertain or if I don't mentally feel right, I don't think that I will be able to perform my best or I don't want to take my time away from these social justice initiatives to play basketball. I get all of that, but... I think that they can use that platform like those post-game press conferences. They can kneel before the game. They can they have an opportunity where all eyes are on them and they can maybe do something with their warm-up shirts or things like that. And so I know some of those... Because we all know
0: how powerful it was when the, uh, the Clippers <laughs> tried to do that.
1: <laughs> and I know some of those, yeah, might sound really corny and it might not work, but I just hope that when we talk about the financial implications and sort of everything else that comes with them not sitting out they're able to weigh like okay if I do go there are ways that I can still continue the movement and push the movement forward I just do think that there are ways that they can continue the movement that hopefully don't detract from the message if that makes sense what are your thoughts
0: it does so the argument I I agree with you on all of those particular arguments the one that I always thought made the most sense and kind of carried the most heft you can you can certainly like you know use your voice and like you know use your platform and you there will be a lot of eyeballs on you but the question for me is like okay so at the end of the game let's say you kneel at the start of the game during the national anthem you go through the game and then in the post-game press conference somebody asks you about that but is the biggest story going to be that this person kneeled during the national anthem or is the biggest story going to be the LeBron James had a triple double and scored 45 points. I'm sympathetic to that argument because I think the the conversation might be less about the protests, less about the the equality and and police brutality and more about the sports and and sports are back. So now we're distracted again. I'm sympathetic to that one. I'm not, I don't know where I stand on it, but I'm sympathetic to it.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I guess I could envision maybe Something where players just come together and they collectively agree or decide that they're just not going to answer post-game questions mm, about that type of stuff. Yeah. And so Malcolm Jenkins, I think two years ago, he did a press conference only with signs. And one of the slides was, you're not listening. And very clearly people are not listening because he's preaching the same issues that we're still talking about today. And reporters did not handle that well. And we're still trying to ask him questions, of course, about football and like, what aren't we listening to? And it's like, dude, just pay attention to the signs and like, like, listen. And so like,
0: he's finding an interesting way to say it, but it's not coded. (laughs)
1: Exactly. We know,
0: we know like what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But
1: anyway, I could see something like that instead of addressing post-game questions that they just either say something or make a statement about how they're feeling about certain things or they do some sort of signs or a t-shirt thing. Like, I could see something of that nature, and I feel like the league would allow that because, one, you can't really say no like if that's how a player chooses to operate with their post-game press conference, and, two, just because they will be happy that basketball is back. Yeah. And so if a player chooses to not play because they feel it will distract from the progress that they've made or the progress that they're trying to make in regard to social justice, we support that. I don't want to speak on behalf of you, but I feel like we're not trying (laughs) to argue against that. (laughs) But it's the fact that, okay, basketball basically needs to be played, though, for the financial impact. So we're trying to come up with like alternatives or like compromises here. Right, which is,
0: sort of, which is sort of, I think, what Garrett Temple was trying to say yeah. um, the other day. I, I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically he was saying like, look, I can't think of a better way to empower like, a bunch of black men than to like, earn your paycheck, you know, earn these millions of dollars that you only have so many years to do these earnings. You know, that's probably part of his point. It's just like, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm guessing that that's part of his point too, is like, let's not unempower ourselves as we try to empower everyone else.
1: And Austin Rivers said something similar. Let me read his quote. He said, Us coming back would put money in all of our NBA players' pockets. With this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give, more importantly, your time and energy toward the BLM movement, which I'm 100% on board with because change needs to happen and injustice has been going on too long. He was emphasizing, like, we need our paychecks some players need their paychecks just to live. Some players can use their paychecks to make even a bigger difference.
0: and to be clear, i don't think <laughs> i don't want I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to like speak for anybody about their money. That is literally yeah. the last thing I'm trying to do, but I, I think too, like I don't think that you can blame a player like in this particular arena, if not everything has to be like altruistic. I don't think players necessarily have to justify. Like, I have six years that I get to earn money. Like, I would really like to do that. I I don't think that that needs to be like a, but then you'd have more money to pour back into the community. Yes, you would, for sure. Like, I think that it's okay if, if you're a player and you just say, look, I need to play. Like, I need to work. Like, I think that's okay.
1: Right. And continuing with Austin Rivers's quote, he says, like, I love Kyrie's passion toward helping this movement. It's an admirable and inspiring. I'm with it, but not at the cost of the whole NBA and players' careers. We can do both. We can play and we can help the way Black lives are lived. I think we have to. But canceling and boycotting a return doesn't do that, in my opinion. Guys yes. want to play and provide and help change.
0: And I did want to highlight one other part of Austin Rivers' quote where he pointed out that Kyrie has earned significantly more than most people in the league. And I think it's it's an interesting point that Kyrie's all set. I think that's an interesting jumping off point. I think that we should talk about before we move on to like the financial ramifications for the league and everything like that. I think that we should talk briefly about Kyrie just because we both covered him for a year. You know, I, I think that a lot of Celtics fans immediately jumped kind of in a in an uncomfortable direction when this stuff came out because Kyrie's difficult, okay? Like, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Obviously, he's insanely talented. I think he's a little difficult. I think that what happened was a lot of Celtics fans immediately jumped to like, oh, Kyrie's like disrupting the NBA the way he like disrupted the Celtics and all this stuff that I saw on Twitter. And I was like, I, I don't think you can say that about this Particular issue, at least not. Yeah, like, no.
1: Um, and like, then you see the tweets that are like, oh, Kyrie just doesn't want LeBron to win again.
0: Yeah, right. Like, I don't think that's what's going on here, guys. Even if you don't like Kyrie, even if you don't like respect the way he left Boston or something like that, you know, whatever it might be, I don't think that you can really push back on him on this issue because it, I. Right. I, I
1: think- okay. Has Kyrie had bad takes before? Yes. Is The Earth is Flat, whether that was just all sort of a bit and not actually real. Like that was all very unproductive and not valuable in any (laughs) sort of conversation. Like the take itself is bad. And then if it was a bit, it also didn't land well. And like, was his tenure in Boston, like very tumultuous? Yes. But that being said, this take is a good one. And I think that it's, important to sort of separate the person or the individual from the actual message and i think we see this in the reverse too with like for example when drew Brees said his comments about the national anthem those comments were extremely hurtful for a lot of black people his teammates his friends and they were also just wrong in terms of the view. Like objectively, like that wasn't the correct interpretation of why people were kneeling. Correct. And everybody was so quick to cancel Drew Brees. And the McCordy twins were quick to point out it's not about Drew Brees. It's not about what Drew Brees thinks. It's about changing that train of thought and addressing that train of thought and addressing yes. those words. It doesn't matter if Drew Brees said them or another player said them or whoever said them. It's about Whenever those are said publicly, addressing them and responding to them so that people understand, no, that's not what we mean. And I think with yeah. Kyrie, it's not about Kyrie's the one bringing this up.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, I
1: mean, there is an element too that I think people are bringing up that like Kyrie doesn't have to go. And
0: <laughs> there's something to that, yeah. <laughs> I think
1: there is, but he is a vice president of the Players Association, so he does need to have an active role in these discussions, but I think it is interesting that he's this active as a player that doesn't have to go. And I also think it is interesting that he doesn't have to go, yet seems to show an interest, at least prior to sort of the racial unrest. He has showed an interest in going, like he was curious if he could go to support his teammates. There's so many layers to this because Kyrie gets the one aspect of no, like, we have a moment right now, like, we can really do something with it, maybe we should consider not going. Then there's the other aspect of you shouldn't go because you aren't playing and we'd be adding another body to the Nets personnel count and that you could also expose yourself to coronavirus unnecessarily, just, like, needlessly.
0: Yeah, I will say it's it's hilarious to hear Kyrie fighting to go to Orlando, be in the bubble, put himself at risk, put other people at risk, and he couldn't just go sit at the end of the bench for Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um he had
1: nasal surgery.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I, I've never had nasal surgery. I've heard it sucks. Um, but we are going to get into all that stuff. But we should take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we will talk about that as soon as we come back. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. online, your online wagering experts.
1: So moving on sort of to the next factor of why they should play or shouldn't play, the financial implications of ending the season. I think this is an area where players really do need to be educated fully. And I'm sure plenty of them are, but there needs to be widespread education because I think with coronavirus and the health implications, a lot of it is the uncertainty. Like, oh, we don't know what the long-term effects are. But like with the financial implications, it's pretty clear cut that if the season doesn't resume, the CBA is going to be ripped up and they're going to have to negotiate a new CBA in the middle of a pandemic. If a new CBA is negotiated under the current circumstances, it will favor the owners and the Big owners time. can ask for more.
0: The owners aren't going to ask for anything. The owners are going to take more. They are going to demand (laughs) more. Yes, yes. they're
1: going to (laughs) want to make sure that they're good with like the loss of ticket sales, the loss of TV deals. Basically, they're going to just try and recoup and sort of increase their cushion. So I think that's the area where players really need to realize, not even just short term, the long term implications of this.
0: No, for sure. And I I think that that goes back to, it probably should have happened a little sooner. I'm glad to hear that like people like LeBron are reaching out to players and saying like, if we shut the season down, this is going to hurt. I also think it's interesting to see like, you know, Adam Silver, told the players, I don't think he, it doesn't sound like he sugarcoated this in any way. It's just hard to like understand things conceptually sometimes, as opposed to like physically, he told the players on a call, these are going to be hard years. Like this is going to be hard for a little bit and we got to try to figure it out. sounds like the players were on board and like, you know, the union leaders were on board and they thanked him for his call and all that stuff. And now a couple weeks later, we're starting to get, you know, like here's how much, you know, the the financial hits that we're going to take and players are starting to be like, wait a minute.
1: Right. And I think this is also an example of sort of what we were talking about, like, oh, you get the email and then you don't really read it. Or you yeah, read it yeah. I think match. you get the gist of it. And then once they actually like unveil what's happening, you're like, wait, what? Like this isn't what <laughs> yeah. I like thought was gonna happen. I guess my question for you is like so I think that they're gonna this is gonna happen still. I don't think there will be a hundred percent participation from all the mm. players from all 22 teams that will be participating. What percentage of players do you think the league will need to move forward? Because at this point we're at some product is better than no product. I think that the league would agree with that in terms of just finishing out TV deals, getting whatever revenue from the playoffs, and then players too, just in terms of moving forward and maintaining the CPA and then also getting their own paychecks. Sort of, what percentage of players would you say would be the cutoff?
0: So for me, it's less about the percentage of players and more about who are the players. Because like to me, it's like, okay, could the Lakers get away with it if Danny Green didn't show up? Yeah, like I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but like for no, me, no. I'm it, talking
1: well, about from like a league perspective of just like the show. No, I know. On. Okay. No,
0: I know for sure. But I think that the show can't really go on if it's not, or it could go on, but it's like. At, at this point, I think one of the problems is that the league is, is trying to, like, mitigate how much of an asterisk there's going to be on the end of this season. Like, they want this season to have some legitimacy or else, like, it's going to be a little bit better than the horse competition. <laughs> like, you know, people might not be watching. And, like, you, you disagree.
1: I think they're at the point where, like, if we can get 75%, and they know LeBron's in. Yeah. If we can get 75% of the other players, there hasn't been a specific report about Giannis. Their minds can change as more information comes out. So yeah. they could be in before and now they're out. But if they can just get like LeBron, Giannis, and just like a few other superstars and then 75% of the rest of the rosters, I think they're moving forward and they're like, this is what
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thing. Okay. I see what you're saying. I think that, yes, I think that the league, I think 75, you know, I think maybe 60% would be yeah, enough for the exactly. league to like, just to just be like, screw it. We're going to do it. I just mean from, like, I think that this season is going to have so many questions of legitimacy anyway. I think the NBA could probably weather most of those conversations just from, like, a yeah, again, I'm not talking about, like, is the league going to do it or not. I'm just talking about, like, I think the league could weather most of the legitimacy questions if the superstars show up. You know, from the Celtics, if Kemba and Tatum and Jalen show up, then it's going to be, like, okay, that's, like, most – of, you know, it's not everybody by any means. And, you know, there's going to be teams that that have people sit out who are really important, who aren't superstars probably. But you can kind of piece together, like, a legitimate season if the stars are there. I don't but think if, like, they
1: even care about legitimate season at this point. I think they yeah. just want to put a product out. That's at least where I'm at. And you
0: might be right. I guess I'm talking about more about, like, the conversation that we're going to have and fans are going to have right. around In it. In terms
1: of that, I think it's already been too far gone. I think they just want to, like okay, we need to keep this going. We need to just put something out there. And I think it's going to be really weird if there's 60% of sort of the players that we're used to seeing competing, but I think that they would they would move forward with that.
0: And to your point, for the players, I think that that is something that they should consider. Like, at some point, you know, maybe just like, it's probably worth thinking about whether it matters that much like the legitimacy of the season or whether it is just something where it's like look if we can send like okay you're gonna sit out fine you're gonna sit out fine but like let's just send like something close something that can sort of satisfy the uh, the requirements of the various tv deals and something that can you know maybe produce something i know we had this conversation before and we argued for quite a while about asterisk next to the season I, i think i'm with you now as details have come out and they've shown how strange this is going to be and how just kind of unnatural this is all going to feel, it has started to sink in for me how like, yeah, like like this isn't going to feel legitimate at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, and who knows? Like we really have no idea. Maybe it will be a good product. I just think that the NBA wants to just get to that point and then whatever the product is, it is. If the players are the one that makes it not happen, again, just going back to the CBA, like that's going to have long-term issues. Like we saw that report from Woj. The superstars in Jason Tatum's class, for example, are trying to get some insurance. They're about to sign like these max deals. Like what would those even look like, you know?
0: I think that's, by the way, I think that's a really smart thing for those guys to be doing.
1: It's true though. Like you have no idea what the basketball related income, what the salary cap, you don't know anything of what, your max could be, and the only thing you know is it definitely could be a lot less than what it should yeah. or normally would be, and so you want to get some insurance there of like, okay, what can I do here? What can we do to make it so I still get sort of the money I earned and was deserved um yeah so it's it's such a complicated situation, like so on top of obviously like financial factors, then there's the health factor, and it's like okay. Some people want the bubble tighter. Some people want the bubble looser. Some people are concerned about sort of just coming back and playing after such a long layoff. Some people are concerned about the long-term effects of covid Again, all of these are reasonable concerns. And I just am curious to see sort of what that document looks like. I'm sure it's going to be very lengthy of the precautions and the restrictions that the league will be putting in place.
0: Personally, my personal opinion, which means less than zero, is that like any player who believes that, you know, this current moment with black lives matter any player who believes that this current moment with coronavirus is too scary to like expose themselves i think those are very legitimate concerns i think i think that wanting to move around to orlando is a significantly less legitimate concern anybody who's worried about their personal health the health of their families anybody who thinks that everything that's going on is too important to have a distraction like basketball hanging around no arguments on my end
1: i think then it raises the interesting question okay like does that mean that player still going to get paid
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Brian Windhorst brought up a really good point on his podcast where he said like Larry Nance wasn't certain that he was going to go. He has Crohn's disease. Crohn's leaves leaves you immunocompromised since the Cavaliers aren't going. Nance is fine and he will get his his prorated salary just fine. But like what about a player who would have to go is it fair that that player would you know that that they might lose out on money like i don't it's really complicated
1: i think and it's weird to make distinctions here but i would imagine in that situation if a player has like a documented health condition or has something documented that would indicate they would be immunocompromised and a doctor would advise them against participating i think they would still get their prorated salary I think it's more of if a player sits out because of the social justice initiatives or because they just don't want to, they're completely healthy and they don't want to put themselves at risk. I think that's when it gets a little tricky of like, okay, do we still pay them? Because if you do still pay them, then why wouldn't every player just do that? Because then you, Unless you're, I guess, really into the competition and want to play. Like, if you are any degree of on the fence, why wouldn't you just stay because you would get paid and you wouldn't be putting yourself at risk for coronavirus?
0: And then are you making everybody who does show up look bad because they don't care about Black Lives Matter as much as you do? And
1: you would get to spend time with your family. Like, to me, that just makes so much more sense if you are on the fence, like, in any degree. So I feel like that's going to be a really complicated question because... If you don't pay them, then the owners look really bad and the league yeah. looks really bad. But if you do pay them, you sort of just open up this like indefinite can of worms of, okay, now how many players are going to sit out?
0: And I will say that this is one of the one of the instances, not to, not to go too off the rails on this, but this is one of the instances where labor has a ton of power to get what they want. So maybe what you do, if you are those players, is you say to the league, okay, you want me to show up. Here are the exact steps I need to see from you in terms of promoting um, equality, promoting Black Lives Matter. It, like these are the exact things I want to see from you. You know, if we can do those things and if I'm allowed to demonstrate and if I'm allowed to say what I want to say and if I'm allowed to do post-game interviews where I don't take questions about the game, maybe there's something there. Again, that would be an area where all of a sudden they have a lot of power because the league really needs- I think you know, the league would to agree to back.
1: that. Exactly. I think they
0: would. So to me, it, that, then it comes down to like, look, come up with some like really powerful demands because you could probably get them right now. And, you know, we'll see. I'm with you. I think that this is going to happen. Given all of the money involved and given how everybody loses money, if it doesn't happen, I have a hard time seeing it falling apart at this point, despite all this. And and I hope that players are, I hope that the players have a chance to demand what they need to stay safe, to, to feel like their voice is still loud.
1: The last thing that I will bring up is that Bomani Jones tweeted, so Dwight Howard gave a statement via his agent to CNN about how this moment is more important than winning his first NBA championship. And Bomani Jones tweeted, Dwight and Kyrie mean well, but dot, dot, dot. Like, how long would this period of reflection be? Question mark. You think this is something you work out in a few months? This project will take decades. And I think that's a really good point. Sort of That contextualizes the financial implications for them too. It's like, okay, how productive is this moment going to be? I think this moment has been a lot more powerful than those of similar nature in years past. Part of it because it's at the point of like a breaking point but part of it too because everybody's sort of quarantined because of the coronavirus so there's just heightened attention on the few things that are going on which is awesome like it's great that it's gotten so much attention and it's great that it's continued to get so much attention even as sort of the big protests have died down but i think bomani jones brings up a big point here that like sitting out isn't going to be i mean Again, like, I'm not trying to tell the players what to do at all, but like, this is going to be a massive undertaking that will take years, if not, as Bomani Jones indicated, decades. So sitting at one NBA season isn't going to be sort of like the end-all be-all in this fight. And it definitely could make a difference in the short term and thus hopefully in turn help in the long term. But it's like, okay, also think about your careers and then in the short term, in the long term. I just, I really liked that tweet and I think it sort of brings to light, like right now it's like people are thinking like very short term and we need to think about the bigger picture here, both in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and in terms of their financial situation.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) you don't get much better than uh, Bomani. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. As always, again, thank you for listening. Um, anybody who's left reviews and ratings, thank you very much. We really appreciate all of you. As always, if you disagree with anything, if you want to talk about anything, uh, my DMs are open. You know, you can feel free to hit me up at Tom underscore NBA on Twitter. I'd um, love to talk about any of this stuff. You can tweet at Nicole and it'll go into her mentions and then she will never tweet because she never tweets. But really, we, we, we thank anybody who's listening. We really appreciate you guys and we will talk to you on Thursday.